0: Factors not available at all. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts
1: Ministries. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxenteco's message today is entitled The Beast from the Sea. Remember, our telephone number is 877 788 5371. 877 788 5371. Feel free to call that telephone number at any time. If you would stay with me for just a few seconds after the program ends today, I have some other very important information I'd like to pass along to you. Don't forget our phone number. It's 877-788-5371. 877 Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentengo.
2: Father, I ask especially today when this topic is preached today, There's no desire in my heart to offend anyone. Lord, we're in a topic right now in the book of Revelation that can be offensive. If someone's not willing to look at the evidence from the Bible, it is not intended to offend. But Father, I know based on your instruction to Ezekiel that if I don't really tell them what's happening from the Bible, if I block it or shield it to make it easier then I have wronged you and I've wronged the soul that must know what is going to happen in the future. Father, these things that I'm preaching about in this series are not new to me. You know this. There are people who went to the flame and died for this kind of truth, who surrender their lives rather than to surrender what is true in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. Father, we don't want to have anything in this life that takes the place of Jesus Christ, be it the church, be it tradition, or be it our own pathway or desires in this world. So give us Jesus today. Help me, Lord, you know that whenever I preach on this topic, I have a rough week, and I've had one. Give me the truth in Jesus for those that need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Every time I preach on the mark of the beast, something bad happens to me. That is a fact. It's not just luck. It's a fact, a predictable fact every single time. The devil hates for people to really understand the topic of the mark of the beast, and he gives ministers a hard time who present the prophecy in the right light. I have talked to other gospel evangelists. I know that to be true. So I have learned to brace myself for trouble when I preach on this subject. I have experienced personal oppositions that were satanic in nature when I presented this subject. The electricity has failed, the sound system has popped. Various things like this. I've had an entire sound collapse in the middle of the mark of the beast. In one prophecy lecture series, I was struck by lightning before the meeting started. Yes, I survived with a massive headache, but I survived. So the subject of the beast from the sea and the mark of the beast arouses the anger of the devil for a very good reason. In the book of Revelation, the mark of the beast test that is coming upon the world is Satan's last attempt to destroy a knowledge of God on earth. It is his last attempt to wipe out the truth as it is in Jesus. It is his last attempt to take that group of people defined in Revelation twelve seventeen as the remnant that keeps God's commandments and holds true to the testimony of Jesus, to literally take them out and to gain global supremacy and to end the battle of good and evil in the world by letting evil win. In Revelation 12, 17, we have the war that is coming. It is coming at the end of the Middle Ages, it is predicted in Revelation very clearly. The dragon was angry with the woman. The heavenly Jerusalem and the earthly extension of the heavenly Jerusalem, which is the church of Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, He went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. If you want to follow God, if you want to follow His Word, be true to His law. If you want to have Jesus as first in your life, friend, you had better brace yourself. The devil is after you. He will not allow you to follow truth easily. He will oppress your feet. He will dog your tracks. But if you must follow in the lamb tracks that lead to Mount Zion, you must be willing to have that kind of opposition. And so we see right here before the mark of the beast struggle, at the end of time, the devil leaves the old world. He goes to the new world to make war on those who, that are the remnant of the seed of the heavenly Jerusalem, who keep the law of God, and they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. In Revelation eleven fifteen, the remnant appears shortly after 1798. There's a great earthquake. That earthquake is the French Revolution. And a group of God-fearing believers appear. And it's the very first time we have remnant in relationship to God's people. And it says very clearly 7,000 people died in the earthquake. When Elijah was faithful to God and he stood before God, he says, Lord, I am a one-man remnant. I, even I, alone am left. And God said, not so. 7,000 have not bowed the knee to Baal. Yet when this remnant arises at the end of the Middle Ages, after 1798, 7,000 people die in the earthquake, meaning that the remnant at the end of time that starts the catalytic force that will bring Jesus back to earth is less than 7,000. It is smaller than the remnant of Elijah's day. In Revelation eleven fifteen, 15, the remnant of the Christian church appears as the temple in heaven is open in verse 19. It appears as God is pulling back the veil of the most holy place to allow the world, the Christian world and the non-believing world, to look within the most holy place and to see the law of God, to see Jesus in a new light and to come home to God in glory. The remnant are called into existence to awaken believers and unbelievers alike To the importance of the Ten Commandment Law of God as an essential part of the Christian faith that points to Jesus. Now, what I just told you there is very unpopular in our evangelical setting today. I just said the Christian church needs the Ten Commandment Law of God. This notion that we're under grace and we are does not nullify the fact that God the Father stands upon the foundation of His holy law as the charter of the universe as the constitution of the everlasting covenant, and that there is no war between law and gospel. The law brings us to Jesus because it convicts of sin. The Savior is the one who frees us from sin. But we cannot do away with one or the other and have God's truth. The remnant are called into existence to awaken believers and unbelievers alike to the importance of the Ten Commandments law of God, but more importantly, to see it as the testimony of Jesus to see Jesus in the light of the law. Revelation eleven nineteen, And the temple of God was open in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, meaning the ark of his covenant. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and earthquake and great hell. The most holy place was only open for one day in the Hebrew year in the Old Testament economy. On the great day of atonement, the high priest would enter the most holy place with the blood, and he would cleanse the sanctuary. He would stand before the Ark of the Covenant for himself. He would see the very place where the law of God was found, and he would know that the history of Israel was not a fable, it was a fact, because he was interacting with the God of Israel in that sacred service the high priest would take the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle it over the Ten Commandments as proof that only the blood can cleanse the sanctuary. No amount of good works can cleanse the sanctuary. It takes the blood to cover the broken law. And it represented the truth that the judgment in heaven can only be faced with the blood of Jesus Christ. And there are believers today who think that somehow if they work hard enough to get perfect enough, That they can stand before the final judgment of God because they've reached a level of acceptance whereby God will accept them. And that's just foolishness, friends. There is nothing that will allow you to pass the scrutiny of the judgment day unless you are under the blood of Jesus Christ. It takes blood to atone. It takes blood to cover the law on the great day of atonement. And so it represented the truth that the judgment in heaven can only be faced with the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we see law and gospel in this sacred service, the law that can never be changed, the gospel that allows us to come to God, to know God, to face our past and our future, and to have the blood as the basis of acceptance. Sin started, friend, in the most holy place right there in the throne room of the universe. It started where God the Father, in relationship to His law, had Lucifer in His presence, and He rebelled against that law. He rebelled against God. And that is where the great day of atonement service is and occurs before Jesus returns. In Revelation eleven nineteen, the ark is called the ark of His covenant or the ark of His testament. In the Old Testament, the testimony is another word for the law of God. It is the ark that contains the Ten Commandment law of God. It belongs to God as His testament. Exodus thirty-one thirteen. Take your Bibles and turn with me. Let's look at this. And it says, And he gave to Moses. Now the he there is God. God gave to Moses when he had made an end of speaking with him upon Mount Sinai. What did he give him? What does it say? The two tables of the... What's the word that's used there? Of the testimony... Tables of stone written with the finger of God. So the law of God, the Ten Commandment law of God, was called here the tables of the testimony. Initially, the Ark of the Covenant contained Aaron's rod that budded as well, a pot of manna. And we know from Scripture that these two tables of the testimony were placed right there in the Ark of the Covenant. At the time of Solomon, only two tables of the law remained inside the Ark. Second Chronicles 5, verse 10... There was nothing in the ark except what? Except the two tables which Moses put there at Horeb where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So at some point in time, they took Aaron's rod out and they took the pot of manna out, but the tables of the law they never took out of the ark of the covenant remained there. The ark was called the ark of his testimony because it held God's ten commandment law. According to Revelation eleven nineteen, 19, the Ten Commandment Law exists in heaven today. How do we know that? It says the ark of his testimony appeared in heaven. So if the ark of his testimony is in heaven, it means the law of God is in heaven. Jesus said, Thy will be done on earth as it is Where? in heaven. I mean, this notion that God has done away with his holy law, that he has nullified the charter of the universe so evangelical Christians can feel good about sinning, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. God has not changed his law to save us. He has atoned for it to save us. He has dealt with its demands within himself in that great Compact of justice and mercy that met at the cross so that he could keep the charter of his universe and still save the sinner and bring him home to God. And so, the Ark of His Testament, the Ark of His Covenant, the Holy Law of God I mean, the book of Revelation, when it starts eschatology in Revelation 12, when end time events unfold, it starts with a clear declaration that the law of the universe is the Ten Commandment Law of God. Revelation eleven nineteen. there are flashes of lightning, thunder, and earthquake. In the context of the earthquake, there are voices that are heard in heaven. You know, this is a direct allusion to Mount Sinai. There are voices, an earthquake, and the like when God gave the law back then. The book of Revelation focuses on Mount Sinai just before the Mark of the Beast issue. Why? Because Mount Sinai is important in the Mark of the Beast test at the end of time. According to the Bible, the church state system, Middle Ages tried to change God's holy law during the 1260 years of medieval persecution. And most Christians bought into it. In fact, today, what happened way back then has become popular theology throughout the Christian world, especially in North America. Hook, line, and sinker, they bought it. Daniel 7.25, here is the great apostasy and the great challenge to the Christian faith. He, meaning the Antichrist, A little horn antichrist that looks like a man, but he's not the son of man. He shall speak words against the most high. He shall wear out the saints of the most high. That means he'd persecute God's people in the Middle Ages. He shall think. Now it says think here because he really can't do this. He shall think to change times and the law. In other words, this power would attack the charter of the universe. It'd go after the Ten Commandment Law of God, and deep within that Ten Commandment Law of God it would attack that part of God's law that has to do with sacred time. And they should be given into his hand for a time, two times, and half a time. In other words, the Christian church would come under the power of this antichrist force, and God's law would fall, it would seem. At the Council of Laodicea, the position was taken in the year 336 AD that God's holy law was changed by the authority of the bishops of the church. Can you believe that? The great leaders of the Christian church in the 4th century got together and they felt real important. They would call themselves church fathers. And they pronounced a curse on anyone who would come in variance with what they were teaching. And they pronounced a curse on any Christian believer who dared to keep the fourth commandment that God himself spoke at Mount Sinai and wrote on the tables of the testimony. Canon 29, the Council of Laodicea, 336 A.D. Christians must not Judaize. they wrote, by resting on the Sabbath, but must work on that day, rather honoring the Lord's Day, which they term Sunday. Christ said that the Lord's Day is Saturday. And if they can, the canon continues, Resting then as Christians, but if any shall be found to be Judaizers, let them be anathema from Christ. Let me read it again. Christians must not Judaize by resting on the Sabbath, but must work on that day, rather honoring the Lord's day. And if they can, resting then as Christians, but if any shall be found to be Judaizers, let them be anathema from Christ In 336 A.D., Christian Sabbath keepers were banished to hell by the leaders of the church for keeping the fourth commandment as God had given it at Mount Sinai. An unbelievable development in Christian history. In the 6th century, when the 1260 years began, in the spring of 538, when the siege of Rome lifted, that same year, the great council of Orleans, the church now is a church-state fusion. Of the east and the west, commanded that the fourth commandment not be kept by virtue of enforcing the observance of the first day of the week. Daniel seven twenty five. He shall speak words against the Most High, shall wear out the saints of the Most High, shall think to change times and law, and they shall be given to his hand for a time, two times, and a half a time. We do not know the full story of how many thousands of people died in the sixth century when this was enforced. But it is horrific, and only history that angels see will tell the full story. But we know of many deaths, of people who opposed this fusion. Revelation twelve seventeen: the dragon was enraged with the woman. He went off to make war with the remnant of her seed, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I mean, if you think what happened in the Middle Ages cannot happen again, you're wrong. The Bible teaches what transpired in those medieval centuries is coming back to the Christian church that we will see it again. The mark of the beast test is a direct attack on the remnant church that does not surrender the Ten Commandment law of God to compromise at the end of time. So let's review the concepts. Number one, in the Bible, the testimony is the Ten Commandment law of God. The testimony of Jesus is not at variance with the testimony given at Mount Sinai. Number two, the testimony belongs to the sanctuary that is in heaven. If you think of the law of God as being something God gave only for the Jews, you're wrong. The Bible clearly teaches that the ark of his covenant, the ark of his testimony, is in heaven. God's law is for the universe, not just for one race of human beings on the earth. Number three, the ark of God's testimony in heaven is inside the heavenly temple itself. I mean, if something's that important, that it's in the very throne room of the universe, then it's important for us to be in our living room, our bedroom, and in our lives as well. Number 4 that means the 10 commandment law of God is in heaven as heaven's authority over the earth. What did Jesus say? Thy will be done where on earth as it is in heaven. Number 5 Revelation 12:17 states that the testimony belongs to Jesus. The testimony is first introduced in scripture as God's 10 commandment law of God. And here is very clear, the testimony of Jesus Christ is connected to the law of God. God sends prophets in history. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, but it is to bring people back to Christ and to bring them back to obedience to the law, which is the description of God's holy name. You cannot separate the Ten Commandment Law of God from the testimony of Jesus Christ. The Ten Commandment Law of God is not good advice, friend. It is His law, it is His character, it is His name, His Word, even the very heart of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave the one who gave the law, the testimony of Jesus. There is no war between law and gospel in the Bible. There is a war between law and gospel in unconverted Christian lives and in churches that do not bear witness to the truth. The law and the gospel are not at war, friend. According to Paul, Christ was the rock that led Israel in the Old Testament. You cannot separate the blood that was sprinkled on the law from the law that came from Israel jesus mouth the blood belongs to jesus the law belongs to jesus in a sense jesus is the law if christ's law given at sinai could be changed and i said christ's law given at sinai i mean this notion that the christ of the cross is different from the voice that spoke at sinai is absolutely incompatible in Scripture. How do we know that? Because when Christ went up to give the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, he went up into a mountain because he is the God of Sinai. He is the word that spoke in the Old Testament. As Paul says, he's that rock that followed them and led them in the Old Testament. And so the lawgiver gives the law to his people as the Beatitudes, as the Sermon on the Mount. He repeats the great principles of God's holy character and covenant in language that fishermen and common people can understand. Stand. revelation 12 17 the remnant keeps the commandments because they treasure the testimony of jesus given at mount sinai that was ratified and confirmed at the cross of calvary as the blood of the everlasting covenant sometimes when we talk about the law people will naturally say well, aren't you being legalistic you ever hear that let me ask you a question how many of you like to talk about jesus raise your hand well he is the law did you hear me? So when we talk about the Ten Commandments, we're not talking about an isolation from who Jesus is. He is the law. Did Christ have functional teaching? Did he apply the principles of God's word in his teaching? Or did he just say little I love statements? God loves you and that's it. He didn't do that, did he? You read the New Testament, there is concrete, real preaching and teaching in that thing. He applies the law and the prophets to the lives of people in his day. And we are right with God to do the same in our day. And so we need to get off this notion that it's legalistic to follow the truth. It's not. It's legalistic to believe you're saved by how good you are. It's legalistic to believe you're saved because you try hard. You're saved by Christ. The remnant of Revelation twelve seventeen, understand that God's law came from a hand with nail prints on it. The remnant church treasures the law because they treasure the blood that was sprinkled on the law for the great day of atonement. Immediately following the description of the remnant in Revelation twelve seventeen, some translations reflect the most ancient Greek text here. And I'm going to read it. And he stood on the sand of the sea, the he being the dragon. The dragon is identified as Satan in Revelation twelve nine. Satan is pictured calling something out of the sea back to life. In the Bible, the sea represents the nations of the old world of Europe and the east, that gave rise to the four great empires of Daniel 7. In Daniel 7, 23, a fourth beast is a fourth kingdom upon the earth. The beast has ten horns in Daniel 7 because the beast is at war with the ten commandment law of God. So here's this beast coming out of the sea, ten horns. Why? Because the world kingdom system at the end will be at direct variance with God's holy ten commandment law of God. His testimony, the little horn in Daniel 7 that comes out of the fourth beast with ten horns, thanks to change the times and law. He comes out of the beast head, which means the head of the beast is incompatible with Jesus Christ, the head of the church. The head of the beast is at war with the covenant of God, given at Sinai, because the world kingdom system does not want to follow God's word and truth. In Revelation twelve sixteen, the earth that came to the help of the woman symbolizing the new world absorbed the flood of peoples that persecuted the church in the latter middle ages. In the context of Revelation 12, The earth comes to the help of the woman at the end of the 1260 years, around the year 1798. So the Bible is very clear. There would be a reprieve from the medieval persecutions at the end of the 1260 years. The Pilgrim Fathers came to this country because they wanted a land, a good place, a city on a hill to find God, to find faith, and to leave the old world of persecution, where they could live for God, keep His law, follow Jesus, and grow in the Bible. The Bible says the dragon stood on the sand of the sea. He followed the pilgrim fathers from the old world to the new world. Revelation thirteen one, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads with ten diadems upon its horns. And a blasphemous name upon its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's. Its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. And one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound. But its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth followed the beast with wonder. The description of the beast in Revelation 13.1 is taken directly from Daniel 7.
1: Thanks for listening today. There you have it, today's broadcast entitled The Beast from the Sea. And unfortunately, we have to leave it there. We run completely out of time for today's message. Don't forget our phone number if you have any questions about this broadcast or this ministry. It's 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. If this broadcast has ministered to you, would you consider a financial contribution? The address here is Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. Once again, Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. And if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, please stop by the worship service, You can find directions online at reachingyourheart.com or feel free to call us at any time. Once again, that telephone number, 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. And don't forget, you can listen to any of these messages again in their entirety under the broadcast schedule there on the main page of reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening. And as always, we want you to know that we pray that God is reaching your heart.